Hi, everyone. Welcome to the second podcast episode of Of the Comics, By the Comics, For the Comics. I'm your host, Pat Truer. Thank you so much for joining us, repeat listeners. And for you first-time listeners, all of our episodes were previously recorded in a live virtual show in which we brought together five performers from around the United States to do five five-minute comedy sets, followed by a group roundtable discussion about comedy. In this week's episode, during the roundtable, our comics discuss transitioning from improv to stand-up, as well as developing material on the spot in the form of crowd work. Our performers this week are Vic Pandya, Alex Falcone, Rene Gauthier, Chris Turner, and Athir Yacoub. Very excited to share this episode with you. I hope you enjoy it, and please note that I am a bit of an idiot, and during the live show, I did not hit record until halfway through our first performer set. Mr. Vic Pandya, I apologize about that, sir. So, now that you have the context... For those of you that want to hear the five-minute comedy sets, you will know that the first one will be starting halfway through the set. And for those of you who just want to listen to the group discussion about comedy, you can fast-forward to halfway through. Here we go. Uh-huh. You said he runs hot? I think you mean hard because his nipple sure. Glad we're capturing this on camera. You know, this isn't going to scar my childhood at all. <laughs> it's also impossible to win a minority family game if you're young because the games are all rigged. Old people just make up the rules as they go. Okay. I remember playing catchphrase once with my uncle and he started rhyming words in Hindi. And I was like, hey, you can't do that. And he goes, shut up. You're ugly. You get one rhyme and one phone a friend. I'm like, first of all, this isn't who wants to be a millionaire. Okay. There's no lifelines. And again, for the 800th time, please put a shirt on. I don't know how many times you have to go over this, okay? <laughs> to not be able to draw any family member's breasts from memory, especially not yours, all right? It's becoming problematic. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, Indian people will roast you when they're worse off than you. This uncle's family all lives in India, and every time I go to visit, they always say something mean to me. Put on weight, huh? I'm like, you guys live in a village. You know that, right? <laughs> You can't roast me and also not have running water, all right? <laughs> we had to take a Wright Brothers plane just to get here. We didn't even land at the airport. We had to land in the grass like we were in Narcos, all right? <laughs> and yeah, maybe I did put on some weight because that's an option for me. <laughs> I'm doing better than you, okay? That's a sign of prosperity where I'm from. You can't even afford half the diseases I got. I'm fucking American, all right? <laughs> It just is. It's very different, man. It's very different growing up as an immigrant. Like, let me ask you guys this. At what age do you just loudly yell news headlines unsolicited? (laughs) Because that's how old my mom is. All right. It's her favorite thing to do. Well, it's her second favorite thing to do. Her first favorite thing to do is tell me to pay rent, but it's a work in progress. Uh, (laughs) She just starts, starts off in the morning. Ben Shapiro's wife thinks a WAP could be a yeast infection. I'll be eating cereal. Like, could we not right now? Maybe, uh, maybe hold off on yeast infection talk while I got milk in front of me, you know? Also, I found that out three hours ago on Twitter, okay? That's old news. <laughs> Parents need to understand there will never be a breaking news item that they'll find out before us, okay? You're old and slow, so just accept that the breaking news part of your life is over. And after my mom wiped her tears away, I think she got it. She will never do that. 
<laughs> I told her to go to her room too. I'm just kidding. I would never talk back to my parents. I'm not white. Okay. We've established that. I would never do that. That's crazy. White people do it all the time. I hear my friends like, shut the fuck up, dad. It's, it's insane to me. I can't, can't imagine. I'm almost 30 years old. This is how I talk back to my parents. Hey, mom. Mm, mm. <laughs> what was that? Nothing. I was clearing my throat. I apologize. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's what you do. You bottle it up as an immigrant, and then you wait till you have your own family so you can take it out on them. And that's what keeps the cycle of hate going through generations. Okay, That's how we're all so angry all the time and work harder than you because we're running off years of pent up emotion. Um, that's, that's really how it works. And that's, yeah, that's how, that's the summary of my life. I think in four minutes, Matt, that's it. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Big budget. Nice Thank job, you man. so much. Buddy, I, I'll have you know, yeah, I do talk back to my mom and she opened that gate when I was 10 years old and I questioned some of the decisions she had made in life. And she said, well, you know what? You're a fucking asshole, Pat. I was 10. <laughs> that, was, that was it. We got out of our blue Chevy station wagon. That's oh. the first time anyone ever cursed at me. And yeah, that was my your, mom. That's your comedian origin story for sure right there. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I like your mom, Pat. Yeah. yeah, Pat, were you by oh. chance by chance were you being an asshole? A hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Yes. <laughs> Alex, that's that's indeed correct. Yeah, you've yeah. never been an asshole to your parents, have you, Alex? I would never talk about it. I tried talking back to my parents once in college and it did not go well and I gave it up forever. I have one one swing and a miss. <laughs> you're like Eminem. You're like, I get one shot. One yeah, shot <laughs> covering mom's spaghetti the whole time. <laughs> All right. Listen here. I'm excited. Our, our next performer, Ethereum Yacoub, everybody. So, uh, she's wonderful. She's out in New York City. We've never actually met. We've become virtual friends, which, again, many of my new virtual friends are so much better than so many of my old real friends. And, uh, <laughs> so I'm so excited to have her on. We, we were introduced through Sabim Sadiq. And, uh, and Ethereum, through some of your sets, I know you've been doing a bit of dating during the pandemic. How has dating during the pandemic been for you? Oh, well, one thing that's helped is I got a vaccine finally. So, (laughs) but on the way back from right after I got my vaccine, I was like on the train and I opened up my uh, STD results and found out I have HPV. So it's kind of a net neutral. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry. (laughs) So that's not helping. So I don't know because I've seen people now they put on their profiles like vaccinated or whatnot. I don't know. I'm I'm like, does that help me? Or like, I mean, that means you can't get sick. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care if you die, but you can still bring that shit into my home. So (laughs) that is not a turn on to me. Uh, Yeah. Also like, yeah, I don't understand like guys and uh, I, I, like with the like every guy has like a picture that they can like lift weights or something and i'm like show me a picture of you crying so i, I so you know so i know you have to <laughs> <laughs> that's a real strength so many guys like here like anyone's watching like uh don't put up a like your first profile picture of you and your abs because like i don't like abs i don't trust them you know i don't or like the guys underneath ladies know this because like nobody spends like six hours a day working out and gets down to three percent body fat because they have a great personality
just you can't do both unless you're Jesus. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> a whole different diet altogether. <laughs> but yeah, this is before my uh, before I got vaccinated, uh, I was just like staying home a lot to the point where I, I let dating come to me. I gave my number to the UPS guy. Uh, <laughs> I did. I did. Terrible mistake. He knows where I live. And like, yeah. oh, <laughs> don't shit where you mail people. Let me just tell you. <laughs> Doesn't end well. I can't believe that. So then I, I turned him down and uh, yeah, I was, I, I'm now I'm scared that the FedEx guy is going to find out about this. So. <laughs> 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 it's okay. We, I can't afford FedEx packages that often. So it's fine. It's a casual, it's going to be a casual relationship. Um, <laughs> It'll be fine. Um, but yeah, getting vaccinated now, I'm like, ooh, well, I only got like my my first dose, you know, I so I can only be, well, I'm 66%, uh, you know, immune. So that's, that's as much as I can, you know, get, is that like, that's like third base, two thirds base? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the math on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, some people were uh, surprised to find out I was actually uh, engaged uh, last year or like right before the pandemic, which is crazy. Yeah, he was also like Arab and Muslim like myself. And I thought like I finally found the man on my mom's dreams, you know. <laughs> 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 we had met at a wedding, which I thought was a sign because my parents also met at a wedding, except it was their own. <laughs> so if it went out here as a product of arranged marriage or is in one, write to us uh, for help. <laughs> but all these, uh, I, so I still have my wedding dress and it's great. It comes in handy if a guy gets too clingy and I can just like wear it out and like he won't leave, you know. <laughs> It's easier than explaining anything. So I do have this wedding dress up on, I like tried to sell it. I'm trying to sell it, but all these websites are horrible. They're really insulting. Like I have it on something called like stillwhite.com and then one, <laughs> <laughs> never been worn, like fresh, fresh <laughs> daisy. Like, and like what, what's next is like a funeral for one or is like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Never, never happy after. I don't know. Happy, happily <laughs> never after. I'm still thinking about it. It's on there. It's on there. But in the meantime, I'm going to make good use of it. I'm just going to use it to, to, you know, scare guys away. Not that they need help. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's any like single ladies in their thirties out there, but for me, like, yeah, my friends were like, well, at least you didn't get married. You could have been divorced by now. And it's true because like a lot of guys I'm meeting my age in their early thirties are already divorced. So if I meet like a cute 29 year old and he tells me that he's married, I'm just like, oh, it's cool. I'll wait. It's <laughs> 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 like dating in your thirties. It's, it's like thrifting. Like I know I'm not going to find anything new, but maybe I can salvage something someone else threw away. <laughs> like one woman's trash is another woman's trauma yeah. <laughs> but I, i'm 
I'm thinking of getting on a more like personal, like dating site, finding other people that I'm interested in that um, I have stuff in common with, like maybe get on something like muslimpeoplemeet.com. Cause I think it'd be really cool to date an FBI agent. <laughs> right, thanks so much pat that's what's been happening in my love life all right <laughs> thank you fantastic i feel you're spot on about the dating of men in their 30s one of my best friends is going through a second divorce at age 38 and uh, we're all hoping that he's going to get married again before 40 so he can pull the hat trick so instead of throwing the garter we can all throw hats at the bride in the middle it's going to be incredible <laughs> It's not I was, even a joke. <laughs> I was in a bar. I can't remember where, but real late at night. And this guy was drunk. He saw my wedding ring. And he said, he was like, you married? And I went, yeah. He was like, new? I went, yeah. It's like three months. He goes, uh, let me tell you some advice about being married. Because I've done it four times. <laughs> I'm just like, you're not the person to give advice. <laughs> he knows a lot about weddings, though. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, 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 great advice for the weddings. He was Probably like, yeah, some skip, great skip the canapes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know about stillwhite.com, but that definitely sounds like I would be on a list if I looked at it. Is that real? <laughs> yeah, I won't be typing that in right now with the capital stuff going on. Don't do no, it. No, no, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> oh, is that why it hasn't gone sold? Or maybe that's what will sell it. You're only selling yeah. it to proud boys. Yeah, right, right. Finding the white one. Yeah. yeah. I like the idea that their, their chant is white bride. <laughs> white bridal shower. White well, I, don't bridal know if you, I don't know if you guys knew this, but the Black Panthers actually had a kind of rival group of white supremacists called the Albino Lions. And it was their slogan was white pride. Okay, okay, wow. okay. Okay, great. That's a, like, uh, a great segue there. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, All this right. is a joke I don't do on stage. Let's whip it out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't do. <laughs> okay. All right, listen. Our next performer I'm very excited about. Uh, his name's Alex Falcone. Another person I have not met at all, but is just a fantastic individual. And before the show, Alex was telling me that he recently met somebody very excited. So, Alex, who did you meet that you're so excited about recently? Yeah, thank you. I did. I uh, I moved to Los Angeles uh, dur- like, right before the bad times, and I had my first, I think, major celebrity encounter recently. I met a real life con man um, and not just like at a party. Like he was at work. I got to watch him conning people uh, specifically me. He was conning me. That's where we met. Uh, I met a guy while he was trying to steal from me. Um, I was, I was driving and this like a couple guys in a pickup truck, like pulled up behind me, like honking really loud. And I don't know a couple of you guys are in LA. So you know this, um, but one of the things that people in LA love to do is honk when they're wrong. <laughs> that's like a real cute thing they do like like they, it happens so often that if there's a honk i assume i'm fine that's just like and i i started i, I feel like a honk sounds like an apology at this point because they're always wrong they're always like this is my problem i'm sure there's a pedestrian in front of you and that's why you're not going sorry that's what it, anyway so i'm like i'm ignoring the honking because there's they're probably wrong uh but it's some they pull up next to me and i like turn over and they like get me to roll down my window and there's two guys uh one with a black baseball cap pulled down over his head and the other one's got kind of a scar across his face and uh the scar guy is like your wheel is wobbling like crazy it's about to fall off you got to pull over you're gonna die and i (laughs) i know that that sounds suspicious your thought is like wouldn't you notice and 
that's because you're better at cars than me. I have spent, I've used all of my brain power on stuff that is not useful in life, like yo-yo tricks and like the different shows about gold mining on Discovery Channel. Like I have no idea how this car works. So I was like, that sounds reasonable. And so my first thought was like, well, at least chivalry's not dead, you know? Um, it's, I'm so lucky, you know, I'm out here all alone in the big city. My car is about to fall apart. I'm so not, I found a nice man with a scar across his face to help me out. I can't believe my luck. So I pull over and uh, he, great news, he has the part I need in his truck. It's just right there in his truck. It's not in a toolbox or anything. He's just got like a box, like a cardboard box full of stuff. And he's like, ah, I think I have just what you need right here. You're so lucky. Let me fix it. And so he like gets down and he's like, I'm like, and I'm thrilled. I'm like getting ready to text my wife. Like what a, we just dodged a bullet, honey. And, uh, and, and then he took it too far. He assumed I was too, like, I'm very dumb, but he like took it. He told me he had to weld it on and he pulled out WD-40. And he didn't even like put like a piece of tape over it and write like welding juice. It just said WD-40. And I, I know what that is from, I, I know it, it's not welding. That's what I know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I do know welding that's on the gold mining shows. I've seen him do it. I don't like, I don't know what, how it works, but I get the idea. It's like big, you know, like big helmet, uh, like hot metal, union dues, divorce kids. The whole, don't talk to you. That sort of thing. Like welding, right? You guys know welding? <laughs> So it's not welding, but he, so I'm like suspicious now, but he sprays some WD-40 on my axle and he's like, great news. I fixed it. No charge. Obviously I wouldn't take your money, but the part was kind of expensive and my boss will notice that I gave it away. So I need 250 bucks in cash right now. Um, and he said like it was a great deal. And I like literally laughed in his face. Like I was a little suspicious, but like 250, like $250 in cash. What, like when you pulled over my 2011 Subaru, did you think I was a Sultan who has that kind of money? What are you talking about? <laughs> carries, who carries any cash in this economy? Like I could maybe go have these with you on a postage stamp. Like what? <laughs> I, if I like rooted around my car, I'm like, I've got 50 cents for parking meters and I've got a really nice protein bar, like the, with the blank packaging and just the ingredients. Like I'll trade you that for this part. That's a good deal. That's probably like $4. So that's, <laughs> In exchange for your welding juice and magic part. Uh, also, it's 2021, 20, right? Who's got cash to be, be scammed? <laughs> like, if you want, like, I'm a millennial. We only do Venmo scams. That's our policy. <laughs> I'm not going to get robbed by a Luddite, you know? Um, so I convince him. I'm like, I convince him that I'm destitute. And I told him, I was like, if you give me your, you know, give me your Venmo right now, I'll send you the money because I wouldn't. But I was like, at least that'll get him, get rid of him, right? And finally, he's like, he decides, I guess, that I'm like, it's too crowded to kill me or whatever and so he leaves and i <laughs> went home and i googled i was have you guys heard of this scam this like do you guys know of this have you heard of this wobbly wheel scam mm -hmm. none of you oh great news okay great um i thought i was the idiot but so i get home and i google it and let me show you what happens uh, let me show you what happens when you google wobbly wheel scam so no. you, I, I get here i type it in and i'm like wobbly wheel scam and then what comes up is a bunch of news stories and this is the first news story right here and load it for me. This is the guy. That's him. That's the guy that robbed me. First story is about the two guys. Second story, different city. Also the guys. It's these guys. I got robbed by the Michael Jordan of the wobbly wheel scam, you guys. This is his thing. That's, it's hat on the left. Who, who, I didn't, he was like the understudy or whatever. And then like Scarface on the right. That's, that's the, I met the guys. Like an epic sloth from the Goonies. 
I mean, yeah, if it, yeah. So sometimes I've shown people this and they are like, surely they looked more trustworthy in person. They did not. Absolutely not. <laughs> they looked very much like this. Uh, they did. This is their thing. They, they made up this scam. They're going around the country. They've been arrested a dozen times for it. And the one thing that pissed me off though is when I looked at the story, it was like uh, robbing people of $1,000 at a time. He only asked for two fifty for me, so I was offended by how much money he wanted. Turns out that was his like discount price. That was his <laughs> bottom basement price. He saw me and was like, "This poor idiot can barely afford two fifty. I'll be, lo- I'll take a hundred. I'll go lower. I'd be lucky to get a quarter and a granola bar out of this guy." But here's why. So here's, I'll tell you what. This is what. This is how you know that somebody is good at their job, though. This is how I know he. Here's how you become the Michael Jordan of the wobbly wheel scam. Because I was thinking back about it, and I was like, when I told him I would Venmo him if he had a Venmo, he looked like he was taking that note. Like he looked like he was (laughs) learning how to rob me better. And I bet you the next time he's pulled somebody over, there's like Cash App, Venmo, Square Reader, a QR code on the back, like a Bitcoin wallet, Patreon, OnlyFans. He's got all, I bet he's got everything you could subscribe to ready to go. And that's how you become the Michael Jordan of the Wobbly Wheels games. You show up every day, ready to play and willing to learn how to get better. That's it. All right. That's my celebrity encounter. Fantastic. Alex Malcolm, I think he probably saw your double horse t-shirt. He's like 250 on this one. Yeah. <laughs> I just, the way you kept saying welding juice, yeah, I couldn't I, help but keep repeating it. I, it, it seems like, like a Looney Tunes gag would be like, well, it just say <laughs> welding juice on a piece of tape on the side. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> well, it, also, his only tool was a can of WD 40. Like, that's a bad sign. Like, that was it. Yeah. He was putting the rest on with his hands. He was just like, <laughs> he was just under the car, probably like massaging yeah, my wheel yeah. somehow. Like, and like, take a couple minutes back here, look like I'm doing something. Yeah. I think yeah. you guys are underestimating how amazing WD 40 is. Like when, I, when, when I rented a place for the first time, I felt kind of weird. I was like, oh, I don't feel grown up yet. I called my dad. I was like, dad. I feel weird. He was like, oh, do you have a can of WD-40? So no, he's like, buy one. <laughs> Suddenly, everything felt doable. It was amazing. That's I love yeah, how, maybe he was just an adult. I love how he's like a road comic. He's like, look, we're taking this crime to all 50 states. Like, we're going, yeah. <laughs> we're going, <laughs> we're getting the top tier money in California. Like, Damn, it's too heard these jokes. <laughs> yeah, everyone in Houston's heard these jokes. I'm going to go to yeah. Vegas. I'm going to go to LA. <laughs> Finally, big city. All right. Alex Falco, great story. Glad you're okay, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks. Exactly. All right. Our next performer I'm very excited about. Uh, she is uh, just a staple of Chicago comedy, Los Angeles comedy. <laughs> uh, really just like we're so honored to have this great presence on the show here. Uh, no, another person yeah. I've never met, but I just got <laughs> a career in Second City doing so a, a wonderful writer, comedian, actress, uh, so, so happy to have her on and, and uh, Renee, her name is Renee Cotier and uh, I, Renee, I, I believe you have a bit of a sweet tooth from things you told me. So the <laughs> question is, uh, have you got any Girl Scout cookies yet? Mm. <laughs> well, I wish you didn't bring it up. I'm going to be honest. Um, I, uh, okay. So girl, here's, yes, I have them. <laughs> Short answer. Yeah, I got them. Uh, long answer is when I, I went home to Chicago for the holiday, I went for like two months just so I wasn't a dick who was like spreading COVID everywhere. Uh, and my, everyone nowadays, everyone's like selling Girl Scout cookies. It's Girl Scout cookie season. Welcome. They're all selling them like 
um, via Instagram. Like, I don't know about you guys. I, I, I guess I read, I like cookies. So I get a lot of them, um, where people are like, go to my daughter's Instagram and you can order cookies and they'll come right to your house. And while that's convenient as a former girl scout, these bitches are lazy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, do you know the kind of hustle that you used to have to do as a Girl Scout? You sit in front, get a COVID test, sit in front of a goddamn grocery store. Okay. <laughs> I don't care the weather. I grew up in Chicago. Get there on the ice. You have your parent in the back, bored as hell, playing some kind of candy crush. I don't care. Hustle for it. You know what I mean? How are you supposed to sell cookies if you don't get high on your own supply? <laughs> You don't know what a Samoa tastes like. You're new to the game. <laughs> I used to sell. I used to sell Girl Scout cookies where I would eat a box, sell a box, <laughs> eat a box, sell a box, because I didn't know my mom had to pay for them. <laughs> That's actually, you know, so maybe this online thing is better. But uh, I didn't know my mom had to pay for them, and I really uh, ate a lot of them. I don't know if you guys remember selling things when you were in grade school. Like, I think. Um, Wrapping paper, like we were going out and hawking shit for our grade school. I still don't know where that money went and why we did it. <laughs> Doesn't that feel scamish? <laughs> but I, 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 I knew the Girl Scouts because we were paying for like our camp or whatever the hell. But I remember selling things when I was in grade school. And after school, if I made a buck, I would go iron it in my grandparents' basement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I would be like, oh, can you smell it? Smell the money? And my friends would be like, can we go outside and hang out? And be like, go ahead, children. Mommy's working. (laughs) (laughs) I would, that's how Sicilian I am, that I was pressing my cash. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so, yes, I did get Girl Scout cookies. I tried not to get them in Chicago. I got them when I got back to LA because I just didn't want to be angry around Christmas time. And uh, for New Year's, I went to New York to go work on a show there. And I came home and I stayed with my mom. And my mom had three piles of Girl Scout cookies. Piles. I was like, (laughs) where did the fuck did you get these? Like, I was like, almost like going to break her arm. Would you get these? Did you get them online? Or did you go to a kid? You go to a kid or you get them online? She's like, relax, you're tired. Um, So I was eating the cookies. Uh, this is all just to get to me watching Bridgerton with my mom. (laughs) I don't know if you've seen Bridgerton. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you haven't, please do. It's enjoyable. It's, uh, it makes you feel fat. Everything you watch makes you Mm -hmm. feel fat because they're all corseted and 10 years old. Um, and (laughs) I was, so my mom's like, Oh, I, have you been watching Bridgerton? And I was like, Oh, I, I'm only on episode three. She goes, me too. I was like, great. So we're on the couch watching Bridgerton. I'm housing Thin Mints. And if you haven't seen it, here's a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. By the fifth episode, it becomes Fifty Shades of Bridgerton. It becomes hardcore sex Bridgerton. Where I'm sitting on a couch with my mom. Have you ever watched an explicit sex scene while eating an innocent Girl Scout cookie with your mom on the same couch? Have you done that? That's my question. Have you done that? Because I have, and it's not great. At one point, I was like, I looked at my mom, and I was like, is it hot in here? Like, you make small talk, so you try to act like the sex isn't happening. And then finally, I just said, this has been an eight-minute sex scene. Eight minutes. 
Nobody can do that. Not even on camera. It was disgusting. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know how long I talked about Girl Scout because I'm going to wrap it up right there. I feel like I could, I feel like I could go too long and it will mess everything up. I just want to tell you, like, get out there and hustle. If you have kids, send them to the street or it's worth a damn. <laughs> <laughs> Renee, go there, Renee. <laughs> Renee, frozen Thin Mints or not frozen? Both. Oh, Ooh, flexible. I, hope oh. I am flexible. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, anyone else want to weigh in on this one? <laughs> I more yeah, want to talk about Bridgerton. I know where that show went. <laughs> <laughs> Man, like the whole second half of that show yeah, is like all about where the goo goes. Does it go in or does it not go 100%. in? That's the whole point of the show is like, is he going to goof inside her? That's yeah, the whole point. 100%. The goo goes. That's the whole point of that show is where's the goo go? And he's like, I'm going to put this in a tissue. And she's like, I don't know what that's for. And then she asks a, like a sexy maid and the maid's like, that's supposed to go inside you. And it's like, it's the craziest thing. It's insane. It is. There's. It's not like a little bit of sex scenes. Like the show is almost no. entirely about jizz. It's crazy. Well, I can't yeah. believe like, you watched that with your mom. That's gross. I feel like as the <laughs> the I English know. representative on the show, Chris, how do you respond? I mean, so we, we need not, to know. Yeah, I've not seen it. And I've been riding high off the fact that our main export is the Great British Baking Show. Mm-hmm. So I, oh, I, I think that it. that represents our country. But yeah, I've... I was not really aware that it was such a besmirching, st- <laughs> literal stain upon our nation's fabric. <laughs> Filthy. So another show all about where does the goo go? Inside or out? <laughs> yeah, yeah both shows have a soggy bottom. Exactly. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> all right. Okay, that's terrific. All right, I'm going to bring all the performers on the screen right now because our next performer, Chris Turner, a fantastic freestyler, is going uh, to ask us all for suggestions uh, for his freestyle rap. So... Uh, to start us off, Chris, I'm going to throw out the suggestion, uh, the re-education camps in China for the Uyghur population. Oh, yeah. I mean, ripe for comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Swish. You have to make sure after you say something that funny, Pat, always swish. (laughs) I love it. I I also, I mean, it's a, it's a, Problem that's very close to home because I recently had merchandise made, uh, such as this one, and um, it was really hard to find a factory that could guarantee they didn't use Uyghur labor. So there we go. We don't want to use children, but as long as they're not Uyghur Muslims, I'm fine. Um, so uh, great, a re-education camp for Uyghurs. Well, Renee's here on the screen. So Renee, what would you like a rap about? Uh, Wiki feet. Oh yeah, I know all about that because. <laughs> Uh, oh, Nicole, what's her surname? There's a comic in LA. We get Nicole Schreiber. Yes. Yeah. And then she showed me it and I was like, yeah, hot damn. This is great. She, yeah. she had a guy send her a huge amount of money for a video of her walking through like a Walmart parking lot in bare yeah. feet. <laughs> Honestly, I, I have nothing but like a no shade to anyone who has fuckable feet that they can go and get money for them. Cause mine yeah. don't even make it past dinner. Like, no, thank you. No one wants it. I yeah. love it. So we have a re-education <laughs> camp for the Uyghurs and wiki feet. Um, and then Alex, Athea and Vic, what do you guys want to hear a rap about? So is, do I have to commit to what the rap is going to be about? Because well, I don't want to hear just this rap a... about the Uyghur camps. Yeah. That sounds the, too sad. You have to add something in there. I mean, I, or do, that's what I'm wondering. Do I have to save Pat? Pat's joke? Or do I have to like, are we just adding? No, 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 no. We're going to have five no things. Joke. That's like, that was an honest <laughs> suggestion. Okay. 
It's an actual genocide that's happening, Alex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I just trying to shed some light onto what's going on. It's not all about comedy all the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, hey, I have depth, okay? Yeah. <laughs> now just say a topic, Falcone. Uh yeah, of course. I would like to I would like to hear a rap about abundant houseplants. Abundant so is that a type of houseplant, or do you just mean someone no, just who has a many, lot of houseplants? Just like a like an indoor jungle of houseplants. That's really. all you came up with after two minutes. I stole. <laughs> no, that's that's good. It's like yeah, yeah. I like it. Abundant houseplants, a fecund arboretum. So, Vic and Athea, yes. what what do you guys want? I want something on astral projection. Oh, great! Is that something you've ever done? I'm trying. I'm training. <laughs> we'll Amazing. See. Can you can just for anyone who's not familiar with it? Can you give like a a ten second a tweet length recap of what it is? No, I think you know yeah, enough about it. You can just do it. Like out of body, <laughs> you can move your yeah. Your consciousness can leave your body, and so you can travel uh, outside of your body. Consciousness. Perfect. It's it's like the time I was on very strong morphine, and I did not <laughs> like it because I felt like I was floating above myself, and I was literally going, "No, get me back inside there." <laughs> <laughs> Vic, uh, what would you like a rap about? I want to hear suggestion. a rap about a haunted mansion. Oh, nice. A haunted mansion. Great. That's, that's all we need. See, that's how you do it. You don't fucking need follow-up if you do that right. All right, everybody? I was everybody? trying not to say letting the Duke come inside me. And so I was trying to think of anything else I could think of, but my brain was so full of that. His, his background isn't helping. It's very much splattery back there. It is, yeah, yeah. It's not helping you, yeah. That's it. A unicorn jizzed thoroughly. Um, okay, so for you guys and for everyone here, this is a wrap, a freestyle made up on the spot based on the suggestions, a re-education camp for Uyghurs, uh, wicker feet, abundant houseplants, astral projection, and a haunted mansion. Um, I'm going to drop a beat and please don't worry it's not going to be anywhere near as atrociously embarrassingly bad as you're expecting a privately educated middle class white boy to be let's uh, let's do this Drop it, and then we're jumping on the beat. I'll be splashing on the dosh, I'll be spending on the feet. Walking online, yeah, I need you. Let me peruse through encyclopedia. Oh, much speed, yeah, to get on there. Do it quickly, kind of icky when I come on the feet on that wiki. Oh, I need to see your French, that's pie. Looking not your man, that's the hands, okay. Talk about those little toes, understand these. I got a fetish for any type of phalanges. I'll be lingering, you know I fail, I'm a male, I'm a Attracted to all the toenails Oh, all the fun <laughs> Let me hear you say Any fungus, they're not okay No cash there in your Venmo Let me move over there to the city of Rome I see a small guy there chilling in the summer Green on his shirt and he works as a plumber I say, what's your name? Because you look kind of teeny He says, aha, hello, I'm a Luigi What you do? Come, to my mansion I say, what's that? He says, grab this stanchion That's like a pole I just said it because it's rhyme. We had a really spooky Halloween time. If you've never played the work of art, there is the Nintendo game called Mario Kart. You won't know that Luigi has a level. Haunted in the mansion, he dabbles with the devil. You can go around the corner, coast to coast. I'm turning left and right. I gotta avoid the ghost going through the little stairway, a secret door. Now, let's get serious. You said before you needed something discussed. Yeah, you go right there over to the E 
east of China with the Uyghurs. They like to get them all around. They're like, into the camp. We will tamp it down. You are Muslim. You're an ethnic minority, not Chinese. We'll get you properly on board. Yeah, don't be worried. In the Europe, they're like, now nah, we curry all the favor with the UN and the EU. What about the Uyghurs? Nah, we please you. We'll just treat them real nice. But actually, they're horrible. You want some advice? Don't visit China. Don't buy products from there. Boycott what they're doing and their straight black hair. Well, that sounds weird. We'll move quite away out of my body because I don't want to stay in here. I'm moving one foot wide, going to take LSD outside when I'm in the rainforest. I'm going after astral projection. I douse ayahuasca into my body, into my lungs. See, I left my body out there. DMT is the chemical released when you die. But if you want to give astral projection a try, just meditate. Open your third eye. I learned how to do it from a dreadlocked guy on Venice Pier. He was like, come over here. Astral projection, AP, yeah, no fear. But I ran right away because he seemed so strange. One last thing, I've got a wide range of houseplants. Oh, I would be frustrated if they were one color. No, they're variegated. Let me skip the beat back just because we haven't got enough time to do this right again. Back on the beat, yeah, with the scants. When I'm looking over here, water in the houseplants. Make sure I feed them, keep them inside kids it's really hard to tend to an iris or an orchid they die frequently but their little roots there run free and if you want to get a bit of water mix it with the sugar put it in there you order careful they grow all around and inside me creeping everywhere like ivy there we go so many plants that i want to puke going everywhere like the jism from a duke Great job, buddy. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> I threw myself with the uh, the dissing the Chinese to the point and then referencing their straight black hair. And I thought, oh, that seems too chromosomal. Got a little Let's bit racist. And then had <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. That's the first half. Now we got the old second half of the show. So we're all on screen for this part. Uh, and uh, it's just an opportunity for everybody watching, kind of get to know uh, everyone on and just for all of us to hear different stories. And, and the question I want to put forth to everybody is, uh, you know, we all started comedy somewhere, somehow <laughs> through some series of events. So I want to ask, what were the series of events that led you to do your first open mic and or show? Because some people didn't do open mics before I do a show. Uh, and how did it go? And I want to start with a fear. Why don't you kick us off? All right. Well, first of all, to anyone who didn't have to do an open mic and went straight to a show, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, agreed. And uh, I mean, ever I think everyone starts comedy usually at some sort of like tragic event or low point in their life. You're like, hey, nothing else can go wrong. I don't know, maybe just me. Uh, I just remember <laughs> like being out of a relationship. I hated my job. I was just like. I, why am I in New York? And I, I've always been into comedy, but I was like, let me just like do this open mic. I'm like, I got really uh, like existential about it too. And I was like, we're all going to die. Might as well just get on stage. What happens? Like people don't laugh at me. Like it's not as bad as our impending doom. And no one is like <laughs> thinking about that all the time. So I, I, I took my Xanax, went to my open mic, my first open <laughs> mic. And, uh, 
I I don't remember a lot of it, but it was it happened, and uh, what led me there, I think, is just like hitting rock bottom in my life and being like, well, hey, might as well give comedy a try at this point. You don't remember if you did well or not. Well, I don't remember anything from oh, that. <laughs> it was not the second open mic. I remember because I was like drinking. I was drink like it was bad. It was a lot of combination of things happening. It was like a weird open mic in New York. It was like an everything open mic, not just for comedy. It was just like people like like this one woman just like played one chord on her banjo and said the word cheesecake over and over. So how am I supposed to compete with that? I bet she crushed. Yeah, that sounds Yeah, <laughs> that sounds great. Oh my God, what I'm interested to know when everyone tells their story, like how well they think they did, because I've always thought that an important thing in a comedian is that kind of like uncrushable arrogance that even if you die, you're like, <laughs> I killed because otherwise, why would you ever do another gig? But then I'm aware that's from my perspective. Uh, like, so like other people as well, like maybe you had a different approach to it. I've heard a lot of people who were like, who did amazingly well the first time with like idiot confidence. Cause you didn't know to be afraid. And then the second one you bomb, I've heard that a bunch. Yeah. You're not over you're not it you don't know how much can go wrong if right you do, when you haven't done it and then when you do it once you're like oh this is so different than what i thought it would be and now you're like thinking about every little piece of it and you're like oh because that's what i happened to me i like i didn't have idiot confidence but i was like i watched a bunch of people bomb and i was like oh i can bomb too but it's going to be like the <laughs> right. same level you know like and i managed to go like below zero like it was so bad i was <laughs> like oh i can still be worse there was a level that wasn't even reached at the mic <laughs> and, and that so it gave me like a false confidence in the moment and then after that i was like i didn't do stand-up for like two months i was like fuck that i'm out there's something about wa like watching people do bad at stand-up where instead of feeling like, oh, this must be hard because all these people are not succeeding, that you come in, you're like, oh, well, I could do that. If they're bad I'm at it, I could also be bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. or there's the arrogance of like, I'm going to do better than everybody because everyone sucks. Like if I watched somebody, like if I watched a big like cliff and a bunch of rock climbers came up and they all fell down, I wouldn't be like, well, shit, I could climb that rock. <laughs> The bar is so low with all these people falling off. But for the comedy, it's like, oh, I can do that. If you guys suck, I can suck. Yeah, I mean, I started I started comedy in general doing Second City in Chicago. And then I, I broke up with a guy who was also like fun, considered funny at Second City. And I feel like improv either sucks or it's really great. So when you go on stage, you either fucking suck or you're really great. So doing stand-up, I was like, well... I've already seen what silence feels like. I'll just give this a try. And uh, I just remember trying it just because I, this guy that I dated who was at Second City, like everyone was like kind of siding with him. And I was like, I need to get out of this. And my oh, friend Nick no. Matterat brought me to my first um, open mic at this bar. We were, we were rehearsing for Sketchfest and he brought me to this bar and I can't remember the name. I think it's gone, but it's very tropical inside. And it was daytime. So there were these women there were these girls walking around the bartenders were walking around in sneakers scrunched down socks and it was like in the 2000s there was no reason like it was <laughs> you know um and bikinis just bikinis and that's how they were serving and i just remember going up bombing because i was trying to like do a joke i wrote and then when i just started talking about how i think maybe practical magic might be a real movie because sandra bullock <laughs> wouldn't pick a vehicle like i started breaking down about my breakup my breakup and everyone just started laughing and i was like oh so be honest okay yeah. <laughs> and that was like the 
but I sucked. Yeah. That's so sad that you, that he got second city in the breakup. It got flipped. He <laughs> showed got himself. Second city. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to be quiet and they'll show themselves. You know uh, what I yeah. mean? And then it, it came back to you me. Mama back, came yeah. home. Don't <laughs> worry. So I, I started stand up after doing improv as well. So I, I started doing short form improv at university and after like six months of getting on stage, I was like, oh, this is pretty fun. I like this a lot. And then one of the, like the director of the group says, you should do stand up." And I was like, oh, you think I'm funny? He's like, yeah, but also like in improv, you're quite selfish and always trying to do your jokes. So maybe if you got on stage and did jokes, that would get that out of your system. So my, my first gig was like, yeah, an open mic in this bar. And it was like the day after Michael Jackson died. Um, and I'd already signed up to do it, but I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, this is going to be easy because everyone's going to do Michael Jackson jokes. And that's all everyone did. So by virtue of being the one person who I did one Michael Jackson joke, I walked up and was like, hey, I grew up my, like my opener was going, Michael Jackson was really important to me growing up. Like I loved his music. I loved dancing to that. I remember dancing with my dad and bonding with that. So I will not disrespect him by mocking him in any way. And then I took my hand out my pocket to take the mic out the stand. I had one white glove on. It got a laugh. And like that was like that first laugh is always such an important thing. Um, I joke. Yeah, it like <laughs> I kept a notebook of my first gigs, and that gig I rated seven out of ten. Right? I was like, oh. yeah, that's seven tenths of the best comedy I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> and I think that's what I mean, like the the arrogance or the idiot confidence. Because my third gig, I was silenced off stage, um, <laughs> gave myself five out of ten, and just wrote, "The audience didn't get it." <laughs> <laughs> that's it's funny when you think about it because you can really in one open mic you can go through all the stages of comedy. Like you can go yeah. through the the best highs <laughs> and the lowest lows. Like even even Renee, you're like, I found out I had to be honest. Like people don't. <laughs> figure that out for like 10 years sometimes yeah, you know? I know, like, I know. but you've figured it out Mike one and then it's like yeah Chris like even your just defense mechanism of like yeah they didn't get it audience sucks like blaming the audience like yeah you can really go through everything um it's so interesting like that's why no show is ever the same that's why I think it's like you have to be a little insane to pursue it because you you're kind of chasing something that is never repeatable you're like because yeah. you th you can think you like you can you're only as good as your next gig right so it's like you're you crushed but then you're like i gotta crush again because that only lasts for like a short period of time so it's like such a fleeting thing um but yeah i did second city too but i did it after i bombed that open mic and I did <laughs> second city and i was like i'll do just do like two levels of improv to like get comfortable and then take the stand-up class to get comfortable in a safer oh. environment and i ended up just graduating the whole program at second city because i actually liked improv and i think yeah. when i went back on stand-up again i was way more comfortable on stage because i'd been doing the reps in improv and i had that security and like all like improv people are supportive like they'd come to open mics and yeah. treat it like a show so i'd be like the like i was like getting that confidence i needed early on but man i would it's just like people like in Chicago, it's nice because you have both. You have both like really healthy improv community and, and really healthy stand up community. But now Second City is like being sold or some shit. I don't even know what's going on. Uh oh, I'll have okay. to look well, that up. Let's get to Alex's first before. Yeah, we just I, well, I mean, my so my first ever stand up was, is a little bit too similar because it was an, I was doing improv first too. So apparently everybody but a theater started that way. Oh, no, <laughs> I, I did. Two. Oh, you did everybody. Yeah. So we're all did improv first. I did two open mics and then was terrified and then did improv for three years. And Perfect. I was like, why am I still here? I wanted to do stand up. That's why. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It helped. Yeah. Definitely helped with my stage fright and getting oh, yeah. on. 
yeah, it's it's wonderful for that. Yeah, I I did improv for a while, and my first ever stand up was that like a bunch of us went to a bar after a show, and we're talking about how we all all secretly wanted to try stand up, but were too afraid, and so just fifteen of us at the improv theater just did a stand up show of just our first time <laughs> together. And it was just wow. our friends and it ruled every single person destroyed because it was just our friends. And they were all like, yeah. this is so terrifying. And so that went extremely well. And so then <laughs> me and one other guy were like, we're going to keep this up. And so we went like two days later after 150 people bringing down the house, crushing in front of all our friends. We're like, we should go to a show now. We're going to really do this. And so we went to an open mic that was in a bar shaped like this, where you're like at the, <laughs> you're at the crux and the people on the left side were just waiting for karaoke to start, and they were so mad at comedy. <laughs> and then it also so happened that that night was the open auditions for a comedy competition, which I didn't know until I was in it. And so there was no audience on this side, just three judges. And I was, <laughs> I was 52nd on the list and not near the end. <laughs> These people hate, and every time a comic would come up, this whole side would go, ugh. And then I get in and I'm like, but I'm so good. I'm going to win this contest for sure because I just crushed two nights ago. And during my set, I turn and I see that two of the judges have started making out with each other. <laughs> so there's one person who's watching and then the rest of the per people hate me. So I do feel like when I said afterwards, they didn't, it was kind of their fault. I feel like I might've been right. Like they, there wasn't a lot of chances. To, <laughs> I was not good, but it would be tough to do well in that room. It's hard. Once people are making out, you've lost them. Well, or you were that sexy that they couldn't deal with your comedy yeah, moved them. Yeah, well, yeah, if people were turned on by me talking about my problems, where were they in high school? That would have been nice. <laughs> I want to know the name of that contest. I'm like, look, I can get some more credits. Let me know what that thing is. It sounds attainable, dude. Let, let's. <laughs> I love, Alex, I love that your first open mic was a bringer show. <laughs> But wait, well, the thing is, if it's your first, a bringer works because you've, yep. you've never That's done the anything. Problem. That's the second the show, when you're like, hey, guys, you want to come see me do comedy again? They're like, it's like having a second kid. They're just like, yeah, we get it. We understand you're able to do this, but you don't have to keep it up. It's also yeah, funny yeah. how comedy is always like interrupting someone's night, like at, at a bar. It's like, yeah. yo, we're just trying to do karaoke. Why do you have to go and tell your stupid jokes? Like, can we, can you just go somewhere else? Like that it's... bar was so good at telling you how we stood in the world. Cause people would walk in happy and they would see us and you could watch their faces fall. That yeah. comedy was happening. That was a good <laughs> lesson. All right. I mean, I got, yeah. listen, I got a little bit of a different story here. You guys are talking about like the first show start and like the dumb confidence. 100% right here. Uh, the first one, okay, was Comedy Works Denver. I was 23. I had not gone to a, a, a bar, an open mic, and Comedy Works has, a, like, Comedy Works puts on a fun open mic where they Their open mic is one of the best in. shows in the country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's an amazing venue. And they, like, you got to call in, you got to leave your name on a voicemail. And like, you just say like, okay, I'm Pat Trudor, I'm calling in. And like, I got so used. And then you listen and this week, it's Chris Turner, Renee Gauthier and Vic Pondia. And you're like, you used to just not hearing your name. So I got so used to not hearing my name after 15 weeks. It's like, and this week, a uh, two minute newbie set, Pat Truer. Uh, please leave a message. I was like, yeah, this is Pat. I left a message uh, for my name again. Cause I was so used. To, I was like, oh, I got to get, I have to create two minutes now. I didn't, I didn't have any material. I was just going to, my plan was just get the time. And go up. So I was 23. I'm an idiot. Now I was even stupider then. Of course, it was, we we're talking about cum earlier. It was all about cum. It was all <laughs> cum and face. Or con. Yeah, yeah. You know, really <laughs> for a young white male. And <laughs> so 
uh, my mom was there and I was like trying to talk her out of coming. And uh, okay. I didn't mean that. I'm not that good. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, mom, I don't think you're going to like this very much. Right. And so, uh, I had 30 of my friends come and there was probably about a hundred people there to watch the show. Wow. And I dressed up like an old cowboy with an outfit I got at uh, like the dollar thrift store with like an old wool the hat, cowboy. like a tweed jacket, <laughs> <laughs> like a tweed jacket, your dad would wear to fair teacher conferences, you know, maybe, I don't know, I don't have a dad, I don't know, uh, so, <laughs> man, this is a lot of trauma in this story, <laughs> but no, on the bright side, Pat told us that he had 30 friends, which yeah, is I was going to say, fuck you, just a little flex right there, Pat yeah, is the key word, had, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, after they saw that cum cowboy routine, they were like, we're good. Yeah. So uh, I got I got shit faced. I came up with the set before and it was the whole premise of what do you do after the ejaculation on the face and in a pornographic film? <laughs> what, what do you what's the conversation? That I, this sounded after? worse when you described it technically. Uh, I didn't like that at all. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> Oh, man. So the first move, the first minute is just awful, right? But then the second minute, I find I found a legitimate stride, and I used I used the microphone, and I used it to like, what do you say after you've done this? When in the, the oh, this is so bad. A face peaking white heat rocket hits, and I took the microphone and I slammed it into my nose, and I broke my nose open, and I started bleeding. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> your nose came blood. Oh my god. He's the same guy who tells you guys we need to be clean on this show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Dude, so, this is turning me on a little bit. This is oh, <laughs> we're not going there. Uh, and so, anyways, it like it hit, and I was so excited. Uh, and I, I, the jokes hit, but uh, how could they not? They're just so easy stock jokes, right? About that situation. My mom's filming it. I got so excited, I jumped off of the stage into the audience instead of just exiting. Jesus and Christ. I was like, that's it. I'm going to be the greatest comedian of all time. <laughs> yeah. right? and so then I enrolled in a, a, a competition at Comedy Works again, the New Faces competition. I had five minutes. Uh, and I was like, I'm just going to come it up. And what did I come up with? Stuff about fake boobs. Really? Mm. Yeah. You know, so you started at Faces and you're moving down. Yeah. <laughs> and it was 300 people at Comedy Works, packed house. And a lot of people, I, I, we had a nice following to come to support me. And uh, everyone had bombed in front of me, absolutely tanked. So all I had to do was just not mess up. And I didn't. I was doing so great. I was like, I saw the light. I was like, I'm going to win this whole thing. <laughs> I, blew, I blew way by the light. Three minute run on the light. Three Ooh. minute run. And uh, and then they oh, announced man. the winners of the of the evening. Who's advancing? And like everyone's ex- and it was I had a nice set. Everyone's expecting my name, including me. And they're like, in first place is this other guy. And they're like, well, you got to know that Pat Truer ran the light by three minutes. He automatically disqualified himself. <laughs> uh, and I'm not lying. I broke down in tears in front of oh. all of my friends. <laughs> And then, I, are you then sure it's because of the light? Are you sure the reason you didn't advance is because you didn't break your nose that time? <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm your closer, man. Question. You have to you have to dance with who brought you. Yeah, that's a great point, Alex. Al, what, Al, what's let's put this out for everybody. What's something that's happened to you during a show that you didn't anticipate, but it ended up just working for you? Oh, oh that's a weird Renee, twist. It sounds like you got something right off the top. I don't know if it worked for me. I mean, at the time, it was an honor. Now you think about it, and it's not. But I, um, I was doing a set at this place called Tiger Lily, and it's like a, 
it's like a place in LA that, that no longer has a show, but it was this quiet place, but everyone always dropped in when they were in town. So I was up there, it was Halloween time. I was doing a joke about how the only sexy version of anything I would dress up as a strawberry shortcake. Cause clearly she didn't have any parents. She's obviously going <laughs> to hit the pole. It makes it lines up with sex, you know, like sexy and slutty. As I'm telling the joke, I lose, like I get a tickle in my throat and I can't stop coughing. So I can't even finish the joke. I just, I'm like, <clears throat> I'd like you would think I was literally going to die on stage. <laughs> Louis C.K. brings me a cup of water. Aww. <laughs> and I was like, in my head, my head was screaming. I couldn't stop coughing. My head was like, Louis fucking C.K.'s here. And I just choked literally on stage. <laughs> and I just had to like get off stage. Like that. And I mean, later he had me open for him at an improv, but you know, he's a predator, so it doesn't matter now. Yeah, when you brought the water, was it dick in or dick out? <laughs> no, it was dick out. He, there were people there, but I did see his dick, if that's what you'd like to know. <laughs> um, I admit it's nowhere near as good as that. Although I did have a backstage with a comedian that I loved, Harry Hill, who's just a very popular comic in the UK. We were both backstage watching a doctor who was performing, it was a charity fundraiser, <laughs> bombed for 10 minutes straight. Uh, and he just leaned down to me and went, you on next? I went, yeah. He went, oh, don't pity you. And I was like, well, that's nice from a, a famous person. But um, <laughs> no, the, the show that something happened, I was doing a show in Bristol in the UK, this famous club for just having fucking dickhead audiences, like full of bachelor parties. And someone's like, oh, there's a guy in the front. He's heckling the shit out of everyone. Like, we've tried to tell him to stop, but he won't. Um, and so I went out, like, all ready to kind of, like, deal with all his heckles. And then every heckle he did was just solid gold funny. <laughs> and, like, he, he, he just heckled, just like, it, I, I'd do a joke, and then he'd just, like, add a topper. Of, <laughs> and it was so funny. And so I just dealt with him by being like, fair play, this guy should be getting paid. I mean, and the you're end of the night, I, for admitting that already. That's very I, I found him. I found him. And I went, hey, just want to say, like, was that all stuff you were coming up with? And he was like, yeah, I guess I'm a funny guy. And I was like... Can I use some of those? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not joking. It joking. One of the things he heckled me with became part of my opener for several years after that. Because I would just walk on, and the things he heckled me with when I walked on, I would just make those jokes because, like, I walked on. He was like, "Oh, here's who you look like. Here's what you look like." And I just walked on, <laughs> said those. Crowds would fucking piss themselves. Yeah. This guy has not become a professional comedian, as far as I know, and it's a huge waste. The only time a heckler has been great for a the show and b my career. Yeah. Well, when <laughs> well, you mean, find yeah. your voice early on, like all those "I look like this" jokes, which like you need when you're starting <laughs> off, right? That's so funny. <laughs> I had uh, some recently. Actually, I had this new joke about. Um, I'm basically talking about like how I'm, I don't want to admit I'm an Indian calling tech support. So I'm, cause I don't want to talk to someone who knows it's also me. So I'm doing this joke. And right as I say the, I'm like, so I'm calling this guy, a phone goes off in the audience. And so, and the guy, the guy picks up the, the guy's far enough away that like the main crowd can hear him, but he doesn't know that I know he just picked up the phone. So he picks up the phone and starts having the conversation. So now we're doing the act out but I'm playing off his real like phone call. So I'm doing the extended version of the joke and it was perfect. And then after that we, and then the joke ends and I like hang up and he hangs up 
<laughs> in the real phone call. And then I'm like, I'm like, Hey man, they, they, that get worked out for you. He's like, yeah, all good. And it was like, perfect. It was, like, <laughs> oh, it was so perfect. I was like, that will never happen again. The audience is like losing their mind. They're like that was a plant. And I was like, no, he's just inconsiderate. Like it was, <laughs> it was wild. Athir, what about you? Yeah, I was gonna say they don't see all the other times where it actually fucks up your set. So it's like funny <laughs> and it's like <laughs> so one um okay, one time I used to have this joke where I'm like, oh my mom, uh oh such a dumb old joke, but when she found out I was doing comedy, she was like, Oh, uh, I don't know what to tell your dad, like, you know, how am I supposed to tell him? And I was like, relax, it's not like I'm on stage stripping. I'm just telling jokes. And, and she was like, I know strippers make money. And it was like one of my <laughs> old jokes. And so I was telling that, I was about to tell that. So I was like, does anyone else here have a job that their parents don't approve of? And the girl raises her, her hand and she's like, I'm a stripper. And I was like, <laughs> about that joke. And I was like, well, that's what my parents think I'm doing up here. So that kind of saved it. And then I was like, so, and then she was like, but I'm also uh, a nurse. And I was like, oh, so I guess you're stripping for the love of it then. Uh, <laughs> fulfillment, because you don't need the money. And then she was like, no, I'm actually an LPN. And I was like, why are you not an RN? And then I was like, dude, like this, it was this like funny like. <laughs> banter of like well get that rn or you wouldn't be dancing on a pole and <laughs> and it just like ended up and then i was like you know what stripper was supposed to be kind of like the end of my that joke but like I, this is better and i'm just gonna end it here but it ended up kind of that moment being way more organic and funny and it, it was cool those awesome. are cool moments. Well, I appreciate you guys like giving me 15 minutes to come up with something but i do not have it i don't feel like i've ever done well <laughs> What are you talking about? Your first open mic, you crushed. Yeah, since yeah. then, it's all been downhill. Um, <laughs> but like, but like Athir was saying, like it's so rare that these events actually turn out in your favor. Like most of the time, it messes up your set. It's like not what you want. Like out of yeah. out of six comedians, we all have like one thing, and we're all we're all like that was the one thing I'm holding on to in 2008. That was great. After that, it's been trash. Don't talk to me. I'm on stage. Yeah. <laughs> I, the only, I mean, the closest thing I can think of, it didn't work in the moment, but worked in the long run, was that I was doing a show at a casino in rural Washington, and the contract was that I had to do the set, even if there was no audience. And there was <laughs> literally the bartender and one guy leading on the bar, and I had to do 40 minutes. <laughs> and so I'm doing, and what I, what I, you know, they, and they, it was a huge showroom, big showroom, and so they have like, to cameras they have rem somebody's running remote cameras and i'm broadcasting these big tvs next to me fucking nobody there there's no one there there's one guy leaning on the bar and so about 20 minutes in and i'm just like look i'm gonna do this i'm gonna pretend i'm on tv i'm gonna pretend there's no studio audience this is my tv set i'm crushing it homes across america i'm like having fun in my head i'm doing my best and about 20 minutes the guy got what the guy uh leaning on the bar goes hey you can stop and uh, I was like, no, I can't really. I can't. He's like, all right, when you're I'm going to go. But when you're finished, do you want to come up to my room and fuck? And I was like, I just did 20 minutes about my wife. I don't know if that. And he's like, yeah, I know. But I'm the only gay guy in Squim, Washington. I got to try. And so it did not go well then. But then I got to talk about that for a while. And that was pretty enjoyable. As I got to tell everybody I met like the one gay guy in Squim. And he's a real nice dude. 
<laughs> polite even yeah yeah like I, and i yeah. just it's so nice to be told like you don't have to keep going it was a yeah. like, even though i did it was still like i'm glad he's i'm glad we don't have to if you didn't want yeah we could just we could all go we could just pull up monster.com and look for jobs for the next 20 minutes it would be more productive than if i finish this set it was nice i like how he talked to you like you were already up in the room it's like you don't have to do this <laughs> you don't have to keep doing this yeah. How safe, how nice. Yeah. But also still a classic dude. He's like, but like wrap it up so you can fuck me though. Like I'm yeah. over here. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like it seemed like he, he thought I was only doing it to impress him. Yeah. And he's like, it's worked. I mean, yeah, he's like, look, I'm not that hard to impress. You got me. Look, come on. Just get out of, get over here. Yeah. Uh, at least he didn't give you notes on your face. <laughs> oh, oh, oh honey, I don't think you'd say that. I go, and you know me how? Like, right. That's how every woman has to come off stage to a dude at the bar. I'm, I'm interested if anyone here has. So I had a gig in April, so straight after lockdown, like a month after lockdown, a college gig that was meant to be at, at UMass Boston. Um, and I'll slag them off because whatever, but they, they already had financial mismanagement, like problems. They booked me for a gig and then they did not advertise the gig. Now in a, in a live college, college gig, that happens, right? Yeah. There's five people who didn't realize in a virtual gig. If you do not send out the link where the show is, there is no one there. And so it was me and my, my friend Thomas, who's, who was in, in Chicago, um, and he moderates my shows for me. And so I'm there just like, ah, oh. we're 20 minutes in. I was like, Thomas, can you check their Instagram and see if this has been put out? Because I don't feel so. And I'm just there going, well, I've contracted it. Like, I'm getting paid for this. I yeah. have to be here. I don't have to rap, but I have to be here for the hour. And then half an hour in, this girl logs on and I was like, oh, hi, welcome. Uh, Did they share the link at the wrong time? She went, no, I'm the editor of the newspaper. Um, I've been told to review the gig. I'm so sorry I'm late. And I I feel like this was a dream and I just brought up the review and um, I'll just read you a thing. Because it was just me. The event was sponsored, though not many people got the memo, leaving me to be the only person in the crowd watching for 45 minutes. It just felt like I was Skyping with a man and unable to use my microphone or camera. With that said, it was funny and enjoyable. And let me move on here where it goes. Uh, the Q Yeah, that was it. I was able to rope my roommates into joining the live stream for five minutes, which was fun, because her roommate joined then fucked off. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Q&A ended up just being us talking, which was nice, but super awkward being the one and only viewer. I wish they'd advertised the event because it would have been a fun experience. The thing is, the review was nice. It was like, hey, if he comes here, I'd see the show. But like... When she logged on, I went, well, we'll probably have to reschedule this show. She's like, well, I'm here. I'll watch. She subjected herself to me for 40 <laughs> minutes. Being, and this, was, this wasn't this was on Zoom. This is on YouTube Live. So this was just her oh in the God. chat. Like, it oh, wasn't even like I could whoa. see it. Because I've done maybe 30 college gigs over lockdown. And most of them have had five people. Yeah. <laughs> At least in Zoom, you can interact. But, oh. Oof. Like, has that been everyone's experience? Like, with have you had virtual gigs where you're performing to no one? I mean, yeah. No, thankfully. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's like you do, like, with we've done so many shows, interesting. Like, I've done ones where it's it's on, uh, they, they, they spotlight you and then they turn off their video, but then they also are all on mute. So now I'm just like, yo, this is just a mirror. Like, I don't know what yeah. we're doing. Like, like, there's no chat. So I'm just like, you just want me to talk and it's fine. I guess it's okay. But yeah, you don't, you're just reciting, 
you know, you're just reading. It's just a podcast. Yeah, it's just a podcast. I mean, I'm like, and, and you have no idea if they're enjoying it because right. there's no feedback. So you're like, you feel self-conscious as a comedian. You're just like, I'm just powering through. But usually I'm like validated by the audience. So now you're just like, I'm an insane person spewing, you know, just whatever. But yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I feel like I, I maybe had a Zoom. I, I've had a few Zoom shows where they mute themselves and take the video off. I, I like I, I like to look at myself in full screen, so I'm okay with the. <laughs> there. But uh, I actually was starting to use it as like a way, you know, if it's not a paid show or if it's just like, you know, it looks like there's not a lot of people. Like I built a deck during the pandemic and I worked out all that material on one Zoom. I was like, <laughs> no one's listening. Let me try this. Let me try this. Like. So I, I feel like it. They became kind of open mics for some of them. Like I, I love having the nice. people in the in the room. Actually, I this is gonna like lose <laughs> probably lose some comedy cred, but I kind of like Zoom shows. And the thing yeah. I like the most is seeing people like in their living room. So it's like date night, and you just see people sitting in their bed holding a dog. <laughs> it's so interestingly personal. It's kind of beautiful. I like it a lot. As an MC, it's perfect because one, you'd have to remember their name because it's written there. Very Two, true. the easiest thing in Zoom shows. I mean, Pat Pat's good at this. I, I've done so many gigs with MCs where they just they spotlight someone and just comment about their room. And everyone yeah. laughs. Yeah, it's, and it's so, yeah. so much easier because they can't lie. The number of times you're going, what do you do? I'm a porn star. Fuck off. You're not enhancing the show. Yeah, the right. Zoom show, it's so much better for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I yeah, just like bad. seeing people's dogs. I feel like we should, when, <laughs> when the pandemic is over, there should be a two-dog minimum at comedy clubs. It's so cute. <laughs> but it's also, you're oh, sorry, like, talking, about, oh, talking about heckles, like, yeah, you're interrupted by like a baby. You're like, I can't be. I'm not right, more important yeah. than this this starving child. Like, I can't right. beat a, a real human or a dog. Like, it's just like you'll be in the middle of this great bit, and then something happens, and you're just like, well, there goes those three minutes. You know, it's, it's <laughs> but burned. also if somebody uh, is heckling that's bad. There's someone who could just click mute, which you cannot do in real life. It's yeah, so easy true. to kick people out on here. That's why you need a moderator, though, and not everyone yeah. has that. <laughs> right. <laughs> to, I think probably my favorite thing that I've seen with the corporate (laughs) thing, which I did with you, Pat, was where they weren't muted by default when they came in. And so you just said go and 150 people log on at the same time, unmuted. And we've just gotten a 10 minute lecture from this company about how we have to be squeaky clean, not even close to a line. He hits enter and all we hear is shut the fuck up, kids. I've got a meeting. I was at that show. I was <laughs> there. Show. It was so good. It was the best thing I've ever heard. It was you guys so all turned good. your cameras off. I had to maintain a straight face. You guys were laughing so hard. All it was time. just this face. Yeah, and then remember the follow-up? Girls, shut the fuck up! So good. Mom's at work right now. (laughs) It sounds like a lot of you are establishing good quiet zones in your house, and I appreciate that. (laughs) It takes a lot of pressure off us too. It's like we get if you get one slip, we get one slip. We're not gonna get in trouble for this. Uh, yeah, that is like a freebie card. Yeah, it's like this is how you guys talk. It's happened so many times where we get the lecture, I get the lecture, and then I give you guys the lecture. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we got to be real clean on this one. 
And then all of a sudden you hear, what the fuck is this? Or like, (laughs) (laughs) it's always the people who are like far away too. Like they're watching on their TV or something. So they're like, they're like not realizing that they're like off mute. So they're like, don't have their computer right in front of them. So then by the time it gets resolved, it's like way too late. It's like, we've heard too much. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Zoom shows, they remind me of, uh, I auditioned for America's Got, I, w- I did a big festival. And after that, everyone asked you to like audition for even the worst shit, right? So yeah. they were like, oh, we would love for you to audition for AGT. So I yeah. went straight to the producers, which I guess that's what they do. I'll never do it again. I, I walked in, they saw my set. They asked me for specific jokes to do in front of the executive producer. If you've never auditioned for like, if you ever want to hear behind the scenes of a competition show, they usually know what they want you to do for the audition. So I went and I had a joke. There's no, uh, well, how do I say this? So it makes sense. Cause it does relate to the zoom moments, but there's nobody in there. They were all on lunch. So I'm stepping in to this banquet hall of a room where no one's there but one executive producer of the show, and she's holding her baby. She's holding, Aww. like, a toddler. <laughs> My first joke is, has anyone ever been to Iowa or whatever? And it's like, every, every, <laughs> this is the joke. Solid. In front of one person holding a child, I said, um, it's basically, have you, have you been to Iowa? Every girl I met there was either pregnant or holding an infant child. Oh. And then they would go, Oh, how many kids do you have? And I'm like, oh, me? Got none. I live in a city where there's shit to do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm literally telling this woman her choices fucking suck while I'm trying to get on the show. So when you get on Zooms like this and you see people with kids in the shot, you're like, oh, shit. I don't want to say something about being a mom or not being a mom because this poor woman is right. trying to enjoy a show. I'm going to be like, hey, your life sucks. Anyway, I've been Renee Gautier. Like, that's what <laughs> it felt like. Well, I, I will say maybe you did dodge a bullet there. I mean, you yeah, were, if you had yeah. gotten onto America's Got Talent, you were going to lose to a ventriloquist. So It's true. Uh, <laughs> that would have hurt. I have no business being there. More, more, more dogs have won America's Got Talent than comedians. <laughs> That's well, absolutely true. And it's not close. It's like seven to zero. Yeah, Ugh. it's not. It's not. It's very odd. And I'm like, also, I don't have like a cool story. I'm not like missing a hand. Or right. I wasn't in the military. You know, you got to have like, I'm allergic <laughs> to apples. Cool like. stories you choose missing a hand. Well, a very strange cool story for you. <laughs> I know what you're saying though. You don't have a, a shtick. Yeah, yeah, you don't have a thing you're known for. Yeah, you don't have a puppet. Like you have you, you have jokes, 10, and that's but... not enough. Yeah, <laughs> right. I was like, my dad died when I was ten, but like we're all over it. Like <laughs> it's not like a. You know what I mean? Like that's how the, it feels. The missing a hand bit. I used to when I was super new as a comic. I used to open with like I used to walk on stage and literally just shout at the audience. Feet are just shit hands. <laughs> that was my opener as like a two year in comic. This is bad and when you were gimmicky. Yeah, yeah. So super gimmicky. Um, and then I was at like, it was one of my biggest gigs. It was like, it was a, a buzzer show, a gong show. So you get, you have to last five minutes. If the audience mm-hmm. don't like you, they hold up cards, you get gonged off. Um, and I walked on and shouted that. And a guy in the front row just stood up and put his hand up to get high five me. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going for this. And as I went to high five him, I realized he was holding up a stump of an arm where no <laughs> hand existed. Oh, and so oh. I high-fived a man's arm stump because he was just there like, yeah, feet do suck. I wish I had my hand. <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone here has high-fived a stump. 
No. It was a fantastic experience. Oh. But thing was is, it good? It was that. Well, it, it was. No one else in the audience realized that, right? So I just had to carry on the show, going, "I just touched a stump." Yeah, right? cool. So you, <laughs> you threw paper it. and he threw rock. <laughs> all right the hand analogy was a bad one i'm sorry that's great no i think oh, you're right if you did if you're missing a hand you'd be on america's got talent i no. think that's actually true every because yeah because all those people are like yeah my whole family died in a fire this afternoon that's why i'm on the show today i'm just trying to win for all 90 of them and then you like sing a song yeah it's yeah. like my, my whole family died and so i started comedy it's like what <laughs> Hi, I was raised upper middle class white, private yeah. school. <laughs> My dad's dead, but we're cool. Yeah. I'm like, I got, got called gay once in fifth grade, and now I'm here, you know? I just. <laughs> all right. That's all right, guys. We're going to end it on this note. Before we do, everybody, uh, if you want to plug anything, let's just go around how I'm seeing it. Chris Turner, what do you want to plug before we end? Um, I want to plug not putting Uyghurs in concentration camps. Don't do that. Great. Great <laughs> what a bold stance to take. Wow, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. I, also, I have to concur with that, obviously. <laughs> uh, it's weird, though, because the way your, your audio broke up a little bit, it sounded like you just wanted to do that. <laughs> oh, no. So now that's oh. going to be really weird on the internet. Now I have to clarify that that was my real intention. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Falcon, what do you want to plug, buddy? Oh, man, I uh, I think everyone should use TikTok. Not to find <laughs> me, but I just think it's a nicer place than most other social media. You, you would like it. I follow this beaver that this lady has as a pet, and then she swears it's not a pet, but it builds dams out of her furniture. It's great. <laughs> so you guys should follow that beaver on TikTok. <laughs> what would you like to plug? Um, I mean... I'm Follow my podcast, The No Fly List. Uh, yeah, follow me at Yakub on Instagram and everything. And yeah, I'll be doing shows again once the second dose kicks in. <laughs> Big Pondio? Follow uh, me yeah. on Hinge too. Sorry. Okay. You said follow me on Hinge? <laughs> <laughs> hey, shoot your shot, Athir. Okay. You know what? Do, do you. I um, mean, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Pondia. Um, Chicago clubs are open. So I got shows from this weekend onward. So we're finally sort of back. Right. And Renee, what would you like to plug? Well, um, you can follow me at Nene Guder on Instagram and Twitter. That's N-E-N-E Guder, since no one knows how to say my last name. Um, I also, if you're in the Los Angeles area, I don't know how, is this happening right now? Okay. Uh, I'm doing the Magic Castle drive-in show this weekend. If you want free tickets, DM me. They're usually like 200 bucks a car. So um, I have a guest list. All right. What a guest. Fantastic. All right, everybody. That's the end of the show. Uh, I'm going to throw one plug in. You got nothing to do on Easter Sunday. Come to Laugh Factory (laughs) Chicago and join the five other people. They'll be there watching me. (laughs) I'll be there, Pat, after my show. So I won't see your set, but I'll be there. (laughs) When is Easter? Uh, April 4th. Okay. I can't be there. Sorry. Uh, I would have flown. I would have flown in. Okay, we don't need to give him the. We don't need to. We shouldn't RSVP here. Uh, it's just, <laughs> this feels a little personal on Pat. We're like, no, I can tell you right now, I'm not going to make it. No, yeah, I'm not going to go, Pat, and I have nothing going on that day. <laughs> no, no. Well, so I will be celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. How dare all of you? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's true. You know, it's Jesus' comeback to her day. Uh, yeah. so, 
Anyways, that's the episode. Uh, performers, everyone, uh, Chris, Alex, Renee, Athir, Vic, uh, I really appreciate all the work you do on the corporate shows we do. Uh, I really appreciate all of you guys uh, being on today's show. So thank you so much for me. Uh, it really means a lot to me that you're all on the show. I really appreciate uh, all of you. And uh, to everyone watching, thank you so much. we got another episode tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Mountain, and next week on Thursday as well. Uh, I'm going to close it out right now. And uh, performers, thanks again. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks, guys. All right, everybody. That's episode number two. Tune in next time for episode number three. Like, subscribe, share. Of the comics, by the comics, for the comics. I'm Pat Schreuer. Thank you so much.